Yet another candidate for president has said the lives of soldiers killed in Iraq were wasted. Who was it? Who demanded an apology? The answers may surprise you. And Al Gore's Oscar for an Inconvenient Truth is generating some inconvenient publicity regarding the Gore household's massive energy consumption. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview. For Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. I do not have plans to become a candidate for office again. I am involved in a different kind of campaign uh, that I will continue to try to persuade people all over the world, and especially here in my own country, to successfully solve the climate crisis. That's Al Gore. He won an Oscar for his documentary, quote-unquote, An Inconvenient Truth. Uh, and uh, there he is moralizing, also saying he's not running for president. We'll talk later about some who are running. He's moralizing, though, and he's really almost turning the battle to combat global warming into a religious quest. We're going to talk about it later in the program. Uh, he has an inconvenient carbon footprint, uh, though. Al Gore and Tipper Gore's Tennessee household uses 20 times the energy of an average American home. Yet, the former vice president is hyping the threat of global warming, trying to get the rest of us to reduce our energy consumption. We're going to talk about the hypocrisy and the science with two experts. But also here on the program, we will be taking your calls here in the first segment. Now, here's a quiz for you, and I want you to call in and answer the question. The number is 800-881-9270. From which political party did a presumed presidential candidate make a remark he later needed to apologize for? A remark to the effect that the lives of our military men and women are being wasted. That is wasted in Iraq. Give us a call with your answer, and you can give us the name of the candidate. That number is 800-881-9270. You may think you know the answer. Uh, the answer may surprise you. Now, Wednesday night, uh, last night, on uh, David Letterman, Sort of surprising announcement, I thought, a surprising venue, but Senator John McCain announced his political plans on CBS's Late Show with David Letterman. Here it is. I am announcing that I will be a candidate for President of the United States. Oh, yeah. You know, for a candidate with uh, the really the goal to try to win the conservative base to nominate him for president of the United States, the David Letterman show is kind of a funny place to announce he's running, don't you think? But McCain told Letterman that his formal declaration is going to come later. 
By the way, I'll be making a formal announcement in April. So, so this was not the formal announcement? This is the announcement. You know, you drag this out as long as you can. I see. You know what I mean? You don't just have one rendition. <laughs> well, he's absolutely right. There's this idea of a multi-step announcement schedule. All the candidates do it. They open exploratory committees, then they announce, and then they announce again. But John McCain on David Letterman told the host that he was asked about accepting the vice presidential nomination during a previous campaign. And here's the answer. You know, answer. I spent all those years in a North Vietnamese prison camp kept in the dark, fed scraps. Why the heck would I want to do that all over again? Well, you know, he's got a point there, and he certainly does have uh, something to talk about in this campaign for the fact that he was uh, a POW in Vietnam. He did serve our country in the military, but we're going to talk about some of his statements a little bit later. But uh, I've put out a quiz question, and here it is. From which political party did a presumed presidential candidate make a remark he later needed to apologize for? Of course, this remark uh, had to do with the effect that the uh, lives of our military men and women are being wasted in Iraq. It's a pretty unpatriotic remark, and it kind of harkens back to Vietnam when uh, there was a lot of resentment on the part of our troops when people were saying that very thing uh, about the effort there. So we are asking for you to give us a call, and again, the number is 800-881-9270. We've got an awful lot of calls coming in already, so let's go to Melanie in Arlington. Hi, Melanie. Hi, how are you? Great. Thanks for calling. Sure. Yes, it was Senator McCain, and you know I'm very disappointed that he would say something like that, especially being a Vietnam vet and a POW. I would think that he, of all people, would know how that would offend um, families, not only the soldiers, but the families of these soldiers who have uh, loved ones over in Iraq who are putting themselves in danger every day for us, and I'm very disappointed. Me too, Melanie, and thanks for your call, and you're partly right. We are taking your calls, 800-881-9270. John McCain actually apologized today. He said, I should have used the word sacrificed as I have in the past. And he said, no one appreciates and honors more than I do the selfless patriotism of American servicemen and women in the Iraq war. This was a written statement regretting his choice of words last night. Uh, uh, And, uh, you know, we accept that as it is. We are taking your calls. We want the full answer. Uh, So who made these comments? What party are they from? Rick from Itasca. Rick, thanks for calling. Yes, uh, I guess I messed up then because my answer was Barack Obama from the uh, Democrat Party. You're also right. You're partly right, uh, Rick. Oh, so well, partly right. <laughs> so I guess everybody can guess now that actually the answer is that candidates from two parties, the Republican and the Democrat Party, have both made this mistake and both have to apologize for it. Rick, go ahead. Oh, Rick. I'm sorry. I, I, I thought I'd already answered it. Yeah, I, I said Barack Obama from the Democrat Party. Okay, Rick, uh, thanks for your call. We appreciate it. Let's go now to Connie and Terrell. What's your answer? I kind of got in on the last part of your thing, and I just got the question, but I'm probably way off, but John Kerry said something to that effect um, back when he was running, but obviously he's not running now, so... Sorry, I probably misunderstood. Well, you know, this does remind me of the statement that John Kerry made uh, recently, fairly recently, uh, to the effect that uh, you really weren't too smart if you were a member of the military and you needed to get a good education in order to avoid going to Iraq. Is that what you're referring to? Yes, yes, that's what I was remembering, yes. Thank you for bringing that up. Let's go to Melanie. Melanie, thanks for calling. Melanie, are you there? Okay, let's go to Rick. 
Okay, I think we've, okay. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm getting the uh, calls mixed up here. We're getting so many, but let's go to Will in Plano. Hi. Hi, Will. I, I think the answer is actually both Senator McCain and Barack Obama. You got it. The answer is both. Parties, Republican and Democrat, Obama and McCain. Anything else? Any more comments? Okay, let's uh, let's go now back to the David Letterman show. This is a statement that John McCain said that he now regrets, but uh, he did echo Barack Obama in saying American lives have been wasted in Iraq. Here he is. Americans are very frustrated, and they have every right to be. We've wasted a lot of our most precious treasure, uh, which is American lives over there. And uh, then uh, Barack Obama, this is something that we uh, aired a couple of weeks ago, made pretty much the same statement. We ended up launching a war that should have never been authorized and should have never been waged, and to which we now have spent $400 billion and have seen over 3,000 lives of the bravest young Americans wasted. You know, it was bad enough that Barack Obama said that uh, when he announced for the presidency. Uh, but Barack Obama has never been for the war. He's never been for the troop surge. And uh, he did quickly apologize. He retracted his statement. And, uh, of course, he's a newcomer to politics. He might have uh, be, be forgiven to make the mistake. Uh, but John McCain saying uh, that very thing last night, uh, I think, is something very different. And I'd love to hear from you as we continue this conversation about the statement that U.S. lives have been wasted in Iraq. Uh, he said, again, Americans are very frustrated and they have a right to be. We've wasted a lot of our most precious treasure, which is American lives. And also, what do you think about this venue for making your preliminary announcement that you're running for the Republican nomination for president. We've got to remember that John McCain is really right now needs to appeal to the conservative base of the Republican Party in order to get the nomination. You can't get the nomination without getting the conservatives and the Christians out there to support you. And, you know, we have to look back to the 2000 election uh, because in that election, of course, John McCain was also running for the nomination uh, against George W. Bush. And, of course, Bush was the front runner. McCain often parted company with the GOP, as he still does on various issues. Uh, and he was seen back then as a dark horse. He actually chose then to skip Iowa, skip the Iowa caucuses, uh, and concentrate on New Hampshire because of the independents there that are sort of like him. He had this maverick style, and he had the straight talk express, if you'll remember, that was his theme. And he actually did defeat Bush in that primary. But then they went to South Carolina, and McCain was actually attack there. Uh, his advisors, uh, his actually McCain was was on the attack. He was blaming the Bush camp for certain attacks, and he was also attacking Christians. Uh, he found himself in conflict with religious conservatives. He delivered a speech that was very critical of the Reverend Jerry Falwell and also Pat Robertson, Robert, Robertson I'm sorry, of the 700 Club. He called them agents of intolerance. Now he's trying to get back in the good graces of Jerry Falwell, which apparently he has, and uh, to get the Christians to support him. But many conservatives have actually soured on McCain. Uh, they don't want to look at him as the potential standard bearer of the party. And uh, I was recently at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Orlando, and John McCain showed up there and met with a group of us, and uh, he tried to talk our language. And I really wasn't buying it. I 
I didn't. I don't really think he gets the Christians. Uh, he may, as uh, he has advisors and moves along the campaign trail, but at this point, I don't think he's speaking our language. Let's go to Patrick in Bowie. Uh, Patrick, thanks for calling. Um, about the Dave Letterman deal last night, don't you think possibility uh, he's he did choose the wrong word, but I think his frustration is that uh, going into the war, uh, not giving it everything we had, only using so many troops, and then being Ill, ill-equipped or ill-prepared. Um, and in that sense, he's frustrated and, and using the word wasted. So that is the possibility. That is John McCain's position, and I think you've summarized it very well. I just think it was an unfortunate choice of words. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Patrick. Let's go to Sherry in San Angelo. Sherry, thank you so much for calling. You're welcome. And I just wanted to say I have a son that is career military. He's 16 months from retirement in the Marines. He served Desert Storm, Bosnia, Somalia, had been to Iraq twice, was on a training mission in Korea, was in a helicopter crash. They were preparing to go back to Iraq. He is... Uh, this happened in December. He was in intensive care. We didn't know if he was going to walk again. He is slowly recovering. Really? But we do not consider what he has done, nor any of the service people have done, a waste, nor do we consider them unintelligent and incapable of performing and they really should be ashamed of themselves for ever letting those words come out of their mouth. Sherry, I. Think I... It's an insult. It is an insult, and Sherry, I really appreciate your call, because you are a patriotic American, as is your son, and uh, these lives are not wasted. Uh, The injury and the maiming of our young people, the deaths of many of our young people as a sacrifice, is something to be commended and not something to be called a waste. I don't think John McCain meant to downgrade our military. He certainly did not, but he's got to be careful about the words he uses. He absolutely does, because then there's the families that who have struggled either with death or the disfigurement and loss of future income as they had planned it, the small children who have done without their fathers and mothers, and it is, and they are proud to be military families, and they are proud of the work that has been done by their loved ones and I'm just so sorry if any of them have been offended and I just would pray that they would continue to feel the honor that they feel for what their loved ones have done. Sherry, we honor you and thank you very much for your call and your contribution to the program today. You know, Senator McCain did have to apologize uh, for talking about these wasted, quote unquote, wasted American lives in Iraq certainly not wasted. We're going to discuss this more and we're going to take your calls on this and the presidential race as we continue with Jerry Johnson Live. Give us a call. The number is 800-881-9270. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture in the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. 
Along with his word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Americans are very frustrated and they have every right to be. We've wasted a lot of our most precious treasure, uh, which is American lives over there. An unfortunate choice of word, uh, uh, words on the David Letterman show last night. That's John McCain. Uh, Americans are very frustrated uh, with the pace of the war in Iraq. Uh, I did see uh, a liberal column in the Wall Street Journal today say, give it time, give the troop surge some time before you consider uh, pulling troops out of Iraq. There's still possibility for success, and I think we have to hold on to that at this time. But that concept that American lives are being wasted drew some fire today, and John McCain actually had to apologize. As a matter of fact, uh, even Karen Finney, the communications director for the Democratic National Committee, asked for an apology, really said McCain needed to explain, and of course it wasn't long ago that another candidate from the Democrat side had to apologize for virtually the same remarks. We are taking your calls with regard to these remarks and also just the presidential race as a whole. Uh, Who do you think should be the nominee on the Republican side? I mean, we're looking at Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, likely one of the nominees on the Democrat side. I don't think the Republicans are anywhere near landing on anybody. But let's go to Bob in Terrell. Bob, thanks for calling. Hello, Penny. I think uh, John McCain just proved one thing. Uh, says uh, Republicans, we're frustrated too because uh, McCain showed that uh, he's um, for uh, gay unions and also uh, he won't be a political leader as uh, making decisions in the war in Iraq. You know, I think you're right, Bob. Uh, When you look at John McCain, uh, he has voted pro-life. He's got a pro-life voting record. So that's something that commends him to conservatives. We've played many times his comments on same-sex marriage. He turned around and edited these comments right after he made them because his comment basically said that he supported gay marriage. What he's really saying is he supports gay unions, all the relationships of marriage, but not the name. He did not support a federal marriage amendment. Uh, He says the state should decide on this, but we know now, because of what happened in Massachusetts, that this will spread across the nation if we don't do something at a federal level. So we need to protect the institution of marriage. Uh, I don't think most conservatives would trust John McCain to do that. Uh, He also has no respect for the freedom of speech, and he pushed for years to get the McCain-Feingold campaign finance reform, which really uh, muzzles conservative groups from being able to talk about candidates 30 days before an election and uh, 60 days before a primary. And that, uh, basically, many conservatives and pro-lifers have said has stopped them from being able to give out their message, which is a truthful message about where candidates stand on the life issue and other issues. 
So that's John McCain, and that's the problems people have with him. He's also, he didn't support President Bush's tax cuts at first. He says he does support them now, uh, but he didn't at one time. So there are lots of reasons that people are giving for not trusting him. And uh, one person who doesn't trust him uh, is James Dobson. And on this program, he told us that he hoped we wouldn't be stuck with John McCain. Another one is former Senator Rick Santorum. Uh, That's the only thing he'll really say about the nomination on the Republican side. He signed a contract, actually, as a Fox News contributor, uh, and he's also going to be with the Ethics and Public Policy Center talking about our enemies, uh, the terrorist threat and the Islamofascist threat around the world. So you'll be hearing a lot from Rick Santorum. But he said that he has spoken with every GOP candidate except John McCain. Uh, It's still too early for him to endorse anyone, but he says the one he wouldn't support is McCain. Uh, He said this uh, during an interview in his office uh, at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. He says he doesn't agree with McCain on hardly any issues. I don't think he has the temperament and leadership ability to move the country in the right decision. That's Rick Santorum on uh, John McCain. Uh, They have a cordial relationship. They did when they were in the Senate, but uh, that's his take. And what's your take on the uh, Republican uh, nominee for president we are taking your calls at 800-881-9270. Let's go to Jeff in Plano. Hi, Jeff. Hi, how are you? Thanks for calling. Well, you're welcome. You know, I, I uh, personally am offended by what he said. Um, the reason being, I have a son. My oldest son is in the military, and it does greatly offend me. But at the same time, it doesn't surprise me, uh, actually, to hear this said, Um I've always uh, been very leery of McCain just from uh, statements that he's made and positions uh, that he's took. And, you know, out of the uh, heart, so does the mouth speak. And, you know, I personally don't think he would have apologized had the feedback not been negative. Um, I just just think that um, if he were elected... I believe it would be one of those regrettable circumstances uh, that we voted him in. Thanks for your call. I think you you agree with uh, what Jim Dobson said on the program uh, earlier. He said he hoped we didn't get stuck with John McCain. Uh, let's go to Peggy in Dallas. Hi, Peggy. Hello. Thanks for calling. Um, I was listening to your um, broadcast, and I didn't see it on David Letterman, but, um, you know, the, the thing that I, I come to, I'm not taking sides. I just I think that as a as a society that we're quick to judge people by what they say without getting the full meaning of what they're trying to come across with. Yes, he probably used uh, the wrong uh, way of saying what he was trying to get across. I think what he meant was it was a senseless, um, you know, it's a senseless act that we've lost lives um, over there, and I'm still kind of confused why we're there in the first place uh you know if i remember correctly and i may be wrong but i thought we were going over there um because of terrorism you know it all started with osama and then um then everybody says no we were there for oil and now we're there to bring peace to the country but you know in my bible and like most christians should be pretty familiar with this unless i misinterpret it But in my Bible, the only person that's going to bring peace to a country like that, especially as biblical as it is, being Iraq, which used to be, um, you know, back in uh, Moses and 
and Noah's day. Uh, that's where a lot of those prophets were born. The only person that's going to bring peace to that is going to be Well, let's just go back. Uh, We went in. One of the reasons we went was uh, because we thought Saddam Hussein had a weapon of mass destruction. And, uh, you know, they can't really find anything definitive there. But I don't think that means that there weren't some very dangerous weapons there that were taken off to Syria. Also, though, the treatment of his people and the hundreds of thousands of people that he killed, uh, murdered of his own people. So it was to take out Saddam Hussein. Uh, We did uh, bring democracy, a sense of democracy, the beginnings of democracy, maybe not the kind we have here, to that country. They have had elections. They do have a constitution. Uh, We did not bargain for the sectarian violence between the Sunnis and the Shiites that was going to be so stubborn. And now uh, we are trying to help get that under control. And we're trying to help the Iraqi government and train them and get them ready so they can handle their own security. Whether we can do that or not, I think is still open for question. We're there though. And we can't leave now. Whether you agreed with going in or not, we absolutely can't leave now. Uh, Let's go back very quickly, just because we've been describing the position of John McCain. We want to play it. I think think that gay marriage should be allowed if there's a ceremony kind of thing, if you want to call it that. I, I don't have any problem with that. Last night, he addressed a national security issue. Uh, Earlier, several months ago, uh, that was John McCain addressing the issue of same-sex marriage. Uh, He's been a little bit stubborn on that uh, in the opinion of many Christians because he never in the Senate would support an amendment to define and protect marriage as between one man and one woman. He said it was up to the states to do this, and when you leave it up to the states, you have some states defining it one way, and basically it's the traditional way, but you also have some states like Massachusetts saying, no, marriage can be for homosexuals. And if you get a state, uh, unlike Massachusetts, that will expand this across the nation, you can have gay marriage and battles over it across the land. And that is that is one of the social battles of the future, and John McCain is wrong on it. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, we are taking your calls, and we appreciate your weighing in. Micah is in Waco. Hi, Micah. Hi. Go ahead. My uh, view is that I think it was poor judgment and the use of those words wasted, but I think that's the overall consent of the war right now is that a lot of it was engaged in with poor judgment. And um, the Bible talks about how we ought to go to war with much counsel, and somewhere along the line I think that's where we've fallen short. I think the term wasted is absolutely uh, just poor, poor judgment on the part of somebody who wants to be president. And when presidents speak, uh, their words matter. Their words have meaning. They're dealing with leaders from across the world. And when you uh, pretend to be a patriot, and you are a patriot, and you've proved it through your life, and then you use a word like that, uh, not a good way to start a campaign. Let's go to Mick and Little Elm. Hi, Mick. Uh, Good afternoon. Go ahead. Uh, My concern is this. If we do not hurry up and win the war, then uh, in 2008 we're going to see a liberal elected because I'm listening to the people around me. I'm a Bush supporter, but I am concerned that we keep hearing, let's keep going, let's keep going, but there's never anything done that shows us that uh, the war is being won, and I think we have the ability to win it. I think there are a lot of people, including General Petraeus, that agree with you and are attempting to do that. And I think, Mick, you are absolutely right. If 
we're still in the situation uh, we're in now in 2008 when there's an election. Uh, I have a feeling that Hillary Clinton or whoever the Democrat nominee is will win on an anti-war platform. She'll move to an anti-war position and she'll win or Barack Obama will win. And uh, that's just, uh, I just can't imagine it going any other way. But on the other hand, we could make progress. We could help the Iraqis get control. And, uh, you know, that is what a lot of people are praying for right now. Well, uh, next up, the former Vice President Al Gore received an Oscar on Sunday for his documentary, An Inconvenient Truth. A lot of moralizing going on, calling for reductions in energy use to battle global warming. But we're wondering, is global warming really the threat Al Gore makes it out to be? We're going to talk about it next with Calvin Beisler, Beisner on Jerry Johnson Live. listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. We need to, to gather the resources of many nations and go back and take a look at the polls, but in this mode of trying to understand a system that's changing. Well, when he talks about the polls, David Carlson, who is the director of the International Polar Year Program, is talking about the North and South Poles. He says that this will be a massive international study of how global warming and other phenomena are changing the North and South Poles. And, you know, uh, we have been talking a lot about global warming lately. Al Gore is talking about it. A lot of other people are talking about it. Some people take it as a given. And uh, we really want to get down to what is the science on global warming? One of our producers here on Jerry Johnson Live, Andrew Abair, did an interview today to get down to the root of this, and here's that interview. My guest is Dr. Calvin Beisner. He is an associate professor of historical theology and social ethics at Knox Theological Seminary. He's an author and lecturer on the application of the Christian worldview, theology, and ethics to economics and the environment, political philosophy, public policy, and reasons for faith. He's written uh, 11 books and over 150 published articles and book reviews. In 2000, Dr. Beisner was involved in the founding of the Interfaith Council for Environmental Stewardship and was the principal author of its flagship publication, the Cornwall Declaration on environmental stewardship. Dr. Beisner, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. It's good to be with you. Dr. Beisner, many of our listeners are trying to see through the fog on this issue of global warming. I have really three questions for you as it pertains to this. Uh, first of all, is there such a thing as global warming? Secondly, if there is, did man create it? And thirdly, if man created it, are there any steps that can be taken uh, by man to reverse or to stop it? Let's start with the first. Dr. Beisner, is the earth getting warmer? And if so, to what extent? Warming and cooling of the Earth's global climate are natural phenomena. They run in cycles. They've been going for as long as the Earth has been around. There are, in fact, uh, several different cycle lengths superimposed on each other, uh, ranging as little as uh, oh, 11 years, uh, corresponding with the sunspot cycle, to uh, about uh, 500 years and about 1,500 years. And... Uh, uh, one that would give the appearance, anyway, of looking like it was about 190,000 years uh, in a cycle. So these cycles have been going on since long before human population and particularly human economic development got big enough to have any significant impact at all. So what we can say is that naturally, warming and cooling are both both real. Recently, we have been experiencing something of a warming cycle, that's largely because we've been coming out of what is called the Little Ice Age, which ran from about 1300 to about 1850. 
that in turn followed the medieval warm period that ran from about 950 or 900 to about uh, 1250 or 1300. So uh, it should be no surprise to us that, we're, uh, that we've had some warming recently. Uh, interestingly enough, we can't actually say that we are having warming right now. Uh, since 1998, we've actually had a slight, very slight downward trend in global average temperature. But on a, on a slightly longer scale of about 30-some years, uh, yeah, we've, we've been experiencing some warming. So you're saying that this is something that just happens uh, naturally. It's a cycle. It's happened before. Uh, so my question is, did man create this? I mean, uh, the global warming alarmists seem to think that, you know, driving SUVs and burning fossil fuels is really the, the cause of this. Certainly, uh, we wouldn't be able to say that man created all the different cycles that have gone on before. The big question is, is man having some sort of an impact on the current cycle that is causing it to be uh, of greater magnitude or greater speed than have been the past cycles, and are the results of that, if if man is having such an impact, are the results of it uh, something about which we ought to be concerned? Uh, are they going to be uh, destructive? Uh, if so, how destructive? Or might they actually be beneficial? And if so, how beneficial? The answer that I would have, I, I think that the best science uh, including the science represented in the the uh, reports of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is the worldwide body uh, under the UN that studies these things, uh, indicates that human contribution to global climate change is very small, diminishingly small. Natural factors such as changes in global in, in solar energy output, and perhaps even more important than that, changes in solar magnetic wind output because of the effect that has on cloud formation through a very complicated chemical process in the atmosphere. Those two natural processes hugely outweigh any human impact on global average temperature. And therefore, I would, I would argue that human influence is very, very slight and that consequently it is certainly not large enough to cause what is normally a, a moderate and, and a beneficent cycle to turn somehow or other catastrophic instead. Uh, I don't think that there's any good reason to think that. My guest is Dr. Calvin Beisner. He's a professor at Knox Theological Seminary. Uh, Dr. Beisner, we're seeing movies come out such as An Inconvenient Truth, uh, Al Gore's uh, so-called documentary film, and it really is trying to alarm, I think, the viewer uh, and my question for you is, you know, it, we talk about this, but is there anything that we can uh, really do? These Kyoto plans, the United Nations plan, what can we do, if anything, about this problem? We cannot do anything that will have any significant impact on future temperatures. Even the supporters of, say, for example, the Kyoto protocols to reduce greenhouse gas emissions do not think that we will have a significant impact on it by doing that. They estimate that uh, full compliance with Kyoto would reduce future temperatures as of around 2050 by only two-tenths of a degree centigrade, wow. which is not even detectable mm. on a worldwide scale, certainly won't have any significant impact on human or other life on this planet. But to achieve that, we will have to spend in the neighborhood of $200 billion to wow. $1 trillion per year out of the global economy. 
That means from 20 to $50 trillion in the 50-year period from mm. 2000 to 2050. Uh, that is an enormous investment for no significant impact at all. So, no, we can't do anything about it. What, what we need to remember as Christians, frankly, is that uh, God has made a promise to himself in Genesis 8, 21, and 22. Following the flood, he promised that he would never again destroy the earth with a flood. And indeed, he then added, uh, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, summer and winter, cold and heat, day and night will not cease. Wow. Uh, Hebrew poetry tells us that those four cycles are used as as representatives for the entire uh, ecosphere cyclical system. And what God is doing there is he's promising himself, I am never going to allow the cycles necessary for human and other life to thrive on this earth to cease as long as the earth itself endures. We as Christians have God's faithfulness to, to look to as the assurance of that. And then in addition, I think the science uh, very well confirms that. That's a very reassuring thought. You know, Hebrews 1 says that Jesus Christ, or the Son of God, upholds all things by the word of his power. And if we understand that he not only is the creator of the world, but the sustainer of the world, it it really allows for Christians to be reassured in that. Uh, Dr. Beisner, last question. Uh, You specialize in the application of the Christian worldview to things such as uh, politics and uh, the environment. Let me just ask you, how should Christians... uh, treat the environment? I mean, should we, uh, should Christians be environmentally friendly? Uh, scripture tells us uh, that when God created man, he made us male and female in his own image, and he blessed us and said to us, be fruitful and multiply, fill up the earth, subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, uh, and every creeping thing that creeps on the face of the earth. Uh, we are supposed to subdue and rule. We're supposed to fill, subdue, and rule. The purpose of that subduing and ruling is to bring all of the earth to higher and higher levels of fruitfulness, of beauty, reflecting the beauty, the majesty, the, the goodness of our Creator. Uh, God initially put human beings into the Garden of Eden, which was not the entire earth. It was one small place in the earth. And from there, we were supposed to go out and transform the rest of the earth into garden as well. Obviously, we fell into sin, but that didn't relieve us of the mandate that God gave us in the first place. And through the redeeming work of Christ, we Christians are called to resume the fulfillment of that mandate. And we can do that uh, by the grace of God, by paying attention to his word, by using wisdom given to, him, uh, given to us from his word, and uh, using the creativity that he's given us as, as his image bearers. We can, we can be doing that. And there's good reason to believe historically that we are doing that uh, with rising rates of crop yields and the like. We are increasing the fertility, the fruitfulness of the earth. We're also increasing human health and longevity. These things are good things. They are reversing the effects of the curse on the earth that God placed on the earth because of man's sin. And they're coming about because of the redeeming work of Christ and our learning the lessons of Scripture and applying them to this planet. Cal Beisner's uh, website is www.interfaithstewardship.org. That's www.interfaithstewardship.org.
org. Here's a couple of program notes. Number one, tomorrow, June Hunt will join us. She'll be talking to us about anger and forgiveness. It'll be a very special edition of Jerry Johnson Live. Also, coming up on March 28th, we'll do a special remote broadcast from Lamar Baptist Church, and we're going to talk about the family, uh, how the family has changed and the moral decay in society that could be causing the breakdown of the family. We'll be out there. It'll be their church service, and it'll be a lot of fun. Well, Cal Beisner says that uh, right now global warming really isn't happening exactly. And uh, even if it is, we can't really do anything about it. But Al Gore wants to change our whole economy and way of life to do something about it. And yet uh, he's using 20 times the average uh, energy use in his own house. We're going to talk about that uh, and also the fact that Mars is warming too. Maybe there's some people there driving SUVs and operating power plants. Mark Morano joins us next. So stay with us. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture in the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with his word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. I do not have plans to become a candidate for office again. I am involved in a different kind of campaign uh, that I will continue to try to persuade people all over the world, and especially here in my own country, to successfully solve the climate crisis. Well, Al Gore had a pretty good week. At least it started out that way because he received the Oscar for his movie, his sort of slideshow that he's been doing around the country in Inconvenient Truth. Uh, but then came the news that uh, his own estate uh, in Tennessee uses about $30,000 a year worth of energy, which is about 20 times the average American home. And uh, with us to discuss that and uh, other truths, inconvenient truths for some people, is one of our favorite experts on global warming, Mark Morano. He is com- uh, Communications Director for the U.S. Senate Committee on Environment and Public Works. Mark, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks a lot, Penna. Happy to be here. Tell us about Al Gore's carbon footprint. Well, this is uh, a humorous story. A free market group in Tennessee came out uh, and showed the staggering electric bills that Al Gore is paying estimates up to $30,000 a year uh, for these bills. And it's many times the average homeowner's use. Now, what Al Gore has said and what Hollywood, his Hollywood friends, uh, and by the way, the, uh, there's some great reviews, some of the opinion columns. On the Oscar night, it was called the High Holy Mass of the Church of Global Warming when they gave Al Gore the Oscar. 
Uh, and his friends are coming around saying, well, Al Gore's buying offsets. Of course he uses a lot of energy. Of course he flies around. Of course his house is an energy efficient. But he buys these credits. Well, it turns out, according to a Tennessee paper now, uh, they're reporting that he actually co-founded the company. He's allegedly buying these carbon offsets to sort of swag <laughs> the guilt. He's buying it so from himself. He's investing in his own company, essentially. Uh, that's what it appears, at least reportedly. And so what's happened... Uh, is people are looking at that, and, and then they compare that with President Bush. And this is actually something, a Chicago Tribune article from 2001. George Bush's ranch in Crawford, Texas, is actually the model of eco-friendly living with geothermal heat, all the latest uh, earth-friendly uh, you know, insulation and everything else. And, and, and this is a great juxtaposition for a lot of people uh, having a lot of chuckles over this right now. Okay, Mark, when you look at this, you have Al Gore basically moralizing. He's using a lot of untruths in, in inconvenient truth to do this, and we've talked about these on the program at length lately, so I'm not going to go over that in this short segment. But uh, we have him telling us what we need to do as a nation, what we need to do individually, but he's not doing it. Instead, he's using his money to buy these uh, to buy his way out of it. Uh, then you have George Bush, who has built a house in Crawford, Texas a few years ago, very careful to make this eco-friendly in many ways. He's got a purification system for wastewater. Yeah. He has a geothermal heating and cooling system that uses 25% of the electricity of the traditional system. Uh, so, you know, you've got President uh, Bush doing this uh, just of his own accord without anybody telling him, without any government regulation. So kind of compare the two with regard to how we ought to handle uh, this issue of taking care of the environment. Well, actually, it's is part of the whole the primitive debate. First of all, the idea that we're creating a climate catastrophe by driving SUVs or using incandescent light bulbs as opposed to fluorescent is flat out wrong. And you can easily prove that by saying, okay, let's say the most restrictive proposal anyone's come up with, the Kyoto Protocol, were fully enacted, which it's not being enacted. No one in Europe's been able to follow it. Uh, it would have almost no impact on the temperature. You couldn't distinguish it, assuming their computer models are right. So if you add change light bulbs and you do all this other little stuff everyone's talking about, it's, it's going to have even less of an impact, any of the bills on Capitol Hill. So what ends up happening is you have wealthy Hollywood liberals, and Cameron Diaz, the actress, probably typifies this, she had a show on MTV two years ago called Trippin'. She literally chartered helicopters, chartered planes, chartered, drove to the airport in an SUV, flew all over the world to, to poverty-stricken third-world nations and, and glorified the poverty, marveled at huts made of dung. I'm not making this up. And this show Trippin' with her friends Drew Barrymore and other she celebrities. She wants us to go back to hot huts made of dung? Yeah, that's what they, but the idea is then they fly back to their L.A. mansions. And I think she makes something like $15 million a film. Uh, and so the point is... It's all about what you should do, not do as I say, not as I do. And that is what I think is resonating with a lot of the American people. And I think Al Gore has now tied himself so closely with his Hollywood community. You had Chevy Chase, the, the Hollywood actor, come to Washington, D.C., Earth Day 2000, and say socialism works, Cuba's the model. Uh, and right. when, he talk, when, he, when he was uh, talking about the developing world, essentially they don't want the developing world to develop. They don't want the rest of America to live like they do because then they'd, the rest of, we'd really have energy you know, usage go. Mm -hmm way to the roof. So they try to, to, to minimize it by buying these carbon offsets. And there's now many on the environmental left are admitting these carbon offsets are nothing more than just you know, trying to get rid of your guilt, but they have no real meaning. Right. Essentially, you're buying investment in clean air and clean uh, or solar energy uh, or wind power. 
and it, and the impact is you know it's just it's just a company making money and a lot of people are you know scratching their head now. Okay, Mark Morano is my guest. Uh, website is www.epw.senate.gov. And if I can leave you with one thought, the study we have up at our website, which you just gave, epw.senate.gov, Mars is right. suffering from global warming and it's linked to the sun. There's a new study head of the Russian Space Agency. So there's a lot more going on here than your family SUV creating a climate catastrophe. So the question I have is, are they driving SUVs on Mars? <laughs> are they polluting the atmosphere with their power plants there? Uh, no, they're not. And in fact, there's, uh, there's another Swedish scientist now who's come out and said that, you know, that, that the sun is at its highest point in a thousand years. Actually, a solar institute has come out and said, said this as well. Scientists from Israel, Canada, Europe are all coming to this conclusion. Uh, the last time the sun was this hot, we had something called the medieval warm period, which, uh, you know, which with Greenland was actually green. So the big problem that a lot of uh, Americans are facing right now, the media is not telling them the truth. You have Katie Kirk, who just this week on her CBS News blog came out and called Al Gore a secular saint, and I'm not making this up. Uh, you have the elementary school, middle, middle schools and high schools across the country now being indoctrinated in children's books, scholastic books now is going to do a global warming book uh, produced by Gore's uh, producer of his film. You're going to have Al Gore's movie now shown all throughout Europe, showing up in American high schools. The next generation of Americans is being spoon-fed this kind of environmental alarmism without scientific foundation from kindergarten on. And this is something parents need to be aware of. And we've actually published a skeptic's guide to debunking global warming alarmism, 68-page color glossy book, which you can download free at our website. Where, tell us the website again. That sounds like something parents should get. Sure. It's epw.senate.gov. Click on the minority page, and then on your left side, you can download the Skeptic's Guide. And uh, it's something every, no home in America with school-aged children should be without. It will arm you with the facts, the names of the scientists. And our release today, actually, on Mars Global Warming is actually another one, because we, we, uh, we, we actually link to other releases, which we have many scientists. And by the way, if you're watching TV tomorrow morning, 9, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern on... Uh, 9 a.m.? 9 a.m. Eastern, sorry. On uh, C-SPAN, uh, Senator Inhofe will be delivering an hour speech at the CPAC, the Conservative Political Conference in Washington, on global warming, a PowerPoint going through the detailed analysis Great. of the media history and the science behind this. Mark Morano, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, we appreciate it. And, you know, uh, Al Gore is not running for president, he says, uh, but sometimes I think he is running for priest of the environmental earth Gaia religion. Uh, it really does become a religion when we treat the earth uh, as almost sacred, uh, which uh, some of these uh, global warming advocates are asking us to do. Well, here's the verse in Genesis 128. It talks about uh, God telling us to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. It's our responsibility to have dominion over the earth, uh, but we are treat to treat it wisely. But the earth was created for man, not man for the earth. Join us tomorrow for Jerry Johnson Live. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian Worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.